Good morning, Bible Center Church family and friends. Uh, this is an unplanned part of the recording this morning. Um, but I just wanted to let you know that as we walked into the church this morning, we were so pleasantly surprised to see that Gordian Rose Reesgraf had snuck in the previous week and taped pictures representing each family of Bible Center Church all across the sanctuary. What an inspiration it was to us. Thank you so much for doing that, Gordian Rose. We miss you all so much, and we can't wait to be together again, worshiping. We love you, we miss the children and all the hugs we get every Sunday. Um, we just miss you, and we love you. So for now, Pastor will be uh, able to visualize you sitting in this church as he brings the message for the week. Pastor? Thank you, Jan. Indeed, it is a joy uh, to look over, and as I look at, you know, those pictures, you come to mind. I think about you, and I can visually see you. So thank you for being here this morning. And uh, so as we, as we are moving forward in this time that is in some ways kind of strange, different for sure, uh, I would like to talk to us from the life of Joseph. And uh, as there are many pictures, uh, I think that will afford us, you know, how to navigate, how to live and what to do in times of crisis. And I've entitled this message, The Joseph Way. You know, Joseph's story was given more time in Genesis uh, than any other person. This story of Joseph illustrates how the divine sovereignty and human responsibility intersect. There are times that it highlights God's providence and shows us also how God secures his promises. On a personal level, Joseph also shows us how to resolve reoccurring problems in the family, how to unravel violence through forgiveness, and how to move from unrighteousness to righteousness by doing righteous. It reveals to us that there is a new Adam that would be coming, be coming and mediating God's blessing to the nation. It references a beloved son, but also a servant king. Joseph's story is a pattern for God's work in the future. It's about reversing the curse. It's a story of glory that comes through suffering and then exaltation. Amen. It's a story of the cross and the crown. It reveals to us how God's life-staining provision comes about in our shortage. Amen? So yes, the story of Joseph, who went from pit to prime minister, from forgotten to favorite, from prison to prince, from hated to beloved, from nobody to somebody, from powerless to powerful, from accused to the accomplished, and from famine, of course, to feast. 
Prophet Isaiah said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. I love what Colossians says in chapter 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Yes, the Bible is full of stories of courage and faith. People who persevered when things looked grim. It is also incorporates where trials have turned to triumph and losses turned to gain. Oftentimes, though, it's that in between what we might call the de developmental phase of life that can seem to be most confusing. But it's in those times that those look downs in our life are designed for us to look up. You know, the scripture says when you see these things, and there are things that we look at, and he says that we they should motivate us to, to look up because there is a redemption drawing nigh. Now, I know that it's placed in the reference to the final, you know, uh, coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I believe that there are signs of time, even where I begin to point that God is about to do something in uh, the crisis or the moment that seems to be overwhelming us. It was Paul that wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, my grace is sufficient for you, he understood from the Lord, because it is made perfect in my weakness. He wanted the power of Christ to rest upon him, and so he began to look, have an outlook of expectation. Oh, yes. Amen. You know, think about this. It is uh, possible, and it happens, you know what I mean? Where we go ahead and and are careless with our spiritual life. And so in those moments, sometimes God brings, you know, or allows, you know, an attention-getting, you know, situation. David said in Psalms 119.67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Can you imagine this man after God's own heart? This man, you know what I mean, that so loved God, but yet he, he experienced a time when he became careless with his spiritual life. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, it is that, it is in that moment that, that, that crisis brings what I would refer to as a sobriety, all right? Yes, you know, I just wonder if sometimes as Americans, we have not become drunk on ourselves. Think about it. Did you know the first principle of discipleship is, let us deny ourselves and follow Christ. So you know, I don't like this situation, but it has brought a sobriety. You know what I mean? Not to the negative, but to the positive. Praise his holy name. So in this crisis that happens in our lives, 
we can be assured that there is a comfort coming. Absolutely. Think about this. Psalms 30 and 5 says, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We discover from Joseph's life is that challenges take place before character, development before deployment, trial before trust, wandering before the wonders, and assistant before assignment. Yes, work time precedes harvest time. Praise his holy name. What seems oftentimes to be waste, he turns to wonderfulness. Think about it in creation, how that the earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness was everywhere. But God comes on the scene and says, let there be light, and there was light, and there was all, you know, began a whole new day, a whole new part and plan that God had already perceived in the eternities past. Paul writes to Romans in 8, we know that all things work together for good. I encourage us all to get in that we know. We know in our hearts, absolutely. Because God, you know what I mean, takes our losses and our crosses, you know what I mean? And he brings about things for his glory and for our good. I love the fact that we can rest assured that God has a plan in our pain. You see, because God is not only all-knowing, he is all-purposeful. Absolutely, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The outflow or the benefit that comes from those moments that seem like painful becomes, you know, the blanket of comfort. You know, so anyway... You know, those crises, God is purposeful and he is working. He is crafting our hearts so that we're ready for the dark days. But not only the dark days, but for the fruitful days that he's promised. Yes, we may be in the middle of something. There may be some time yet, but what God is doing, God is doing so that he can preserve life. Because he is a God of life. You know, there's a way that seems right to man, but there is no life in the end of it. And so when we take God's way and discover his way, it will end up to be life. God is so resourceful, yes he is, that he does not even waste your past. And so I encourage you, you know what I mean, to not waste your past, you know, setting in the prison of, of regret. But turn your life over to him. Turn the situation into his hands and let him take your past and turn it into things or turn it into potential because yesterdays can become beneficial when you use them right and learn from them. Think about this man's life, the life of Matthew. Oh, yes. You know, it sees that God does not waste, you know, his past. The scripture says in Luke chapter 5 that Matthew left everything but his pen. Absolutely. It says that he is, you know what I mean, he is a tax officer. He is a recording officer. He is, you know what I mean, has a, a ledger of everything. 
and God calls him to go and follow him, but everything he left behind except his pen because God was going to use his pen. This former bookkeeper was the ideal of God's choice to go ahead and pen the genealogy of Christ because he was schooled in it. He understood it. He knew how it operated. Absolutely. You know, Paul, we know him that he was a murderer, but yet God went ahead and made him the main writer of the New Testament. Peter had his mistakes, but those mistakes did not end God's call on his life because he wept bitterly. He came and repented, and we know that he became the great and mighty uh, uh, caretaker of the, of the church in the book of Acts. So the good news is this morning that God prepares us for all that he is preparing us for, and not only us for, but what he has prepared for us. So whatever you do, Find the God-centered, Christ-exalting passion of your life and find a way to say it and to live it. Yes, those wasted years, they are very beneficial. You see, Moses spent 80 years of preparation for 40 years of leading. Every part of his life had a purpose as he, you know, God began to work things out for his Good. Think about it. The adoption by Pharaoh's daughter was a divine education phase in his life. One day when he went out and he got angry and impulsive, you know, and he slew somebody, he had to flee. God went ahead and moved him from one place to another place, and there God worked into his life a humble heart. Fact is, the scripture says that he is the most humble of all of humanity, of course, outside of Jesus Christ. Think about that. So, you know, when you, when you are in those, those moments and those times and those wilderness, remember that it is those preparations that lead up to your burning bush. God's call, God's timing. Thank you, Jesus. There's no mistakes it will place them in God's hand and allow him to take those wasted years and let them become, you know, soil for preparation uh, in a, that are meant to accomplish God's will that he has for our lives. It is noteworthy, though, to understand that there is an enemy in all of this, and he loves to play in those, you know, wildernesses or those waiting periods and those times. He likes to take that time. He likes to take your mistakes. He likes to take your failures. He likes to take your bewilderment and he wants to keep you trapped in it. In fact, as Peter said this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What does he want to devour? He wants to devour your future. But you and I, you know, we got to be vigilant. We cannot let him do that. Instead of letting, you know, him trap us from our future, let us take the lessons that we learn, you know what I mean, into our future and ultimately not just for ourselves but for others. Yes, the Joseph 
way is a way that there is no waste. It is a way that, you know, that pain actually beca can become a plan. Think about it. That it is not wasted time. That, that, that prison of undesirable circumstances, God is above it all, and he clearly sees the road ahead. It is when we begin to embrace the time between frustration and fruitfulness. That's what we learn from Joseph, making the waiting time a God time, not a waste time, not a prison time, but a God time. Think about it. Joseph spent 20 years in prison, two decades, 7,300 days of mistreatment for doing no wrong. Psalms 107 gives us a picture of what was going on in his life. There was a man sent before him, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tried him. In the midst of the dream, there was major testing that went on. Why? Because you don't want to succeed before you're ready. You see, Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride comes before the fall in a haughty spirit before direction. Think about it, you know? It's not your destruction that he's after. It's our humility, you know? It's so that we are, are able to hold the dream, you know, and be able to responsibly execute the dream. We're all familiar with educational growing processes and it is very similar in life when it comes to you know your christian walk and your christian work in joseph's life god took away his crutches and he replaced them with the characteristics that he was going to be will, would use later in his life as he was going to you know uh, execute and lead the greatest empire of its day now, you may never become prime minister, but whatever it is that God's got assigned for you, it's important, you know? And you are the prime minister of that vision and that dream, you know what I mean? And that future of your life. Yes, this wonderful man, you know what I mean? He learned about injustice as he endured injustice. He developed discernment. Absolutely. So he could know how to make, you know, wise decisions with grace and execute them, you know what I mean, in a peaceful, beneficial manner. He also learned how to interpret dreams and what to do with them. You see, it was miscalculation and lack of wisdom concerning his dream that got him in trouble in the first place. It wasn't that the dream was wrong. It was his interpretation of the dream. That was missing the point, and God was making all those adjustments in his life. Joseph, you know, that belief, that core value that God was in control, that's the Joseph way. God was in control, and God was fundamentally good. 
That became a, a settled law in Joseph. He didn't have double-mindedness. He wasn't up and down, but he had an inner law that I believe God is good. You know, so Joseph, in delay, trusted. And when he was needed, he was ready. Joseph way versus man's way. Human perspective versus eternal perspective. Human perspective is where you simply only see what is right in front of you. And oftentimes that that is the bumps, the barriers in the beatdowns. It's only, you know, the view that you have. And if we're not careful when that happens, we become prone to discouragement. Anger can set in, extremism, frustration. Everything kind of takes on a negative flavor. You become critical. We become enslaved to our emotions, the ups and downs, even as life continues to just slap us around. You know, the enemy doesn't let his prisoners go free, you know, easily. But Jesus Christ came to set the prisoner free. So that's that human perspective. Well, what is the Joseph expect, uh, perspective? All right? Joseph's way comes only by the way of trusting in the wonderful care of the Heavenly Father. It understands that while you may be, you know, uh, in the prison, you know, where for doing nothing wrong and you know, you're faced with that unexpected and undesirable circumstances, God's above it all. And he's the one that can see the road ahead of you. It was Jeremiah that said, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Yes, after this is all over, future and hope and peace is planned, all right? Joseph learned how to embrace the time between the frustrating and the fruitful. So if you can learn to enfold your human perspective into the divine perspective of trust in God, you will not be frustrated in Pharaoh's prison. Joseph did not get frustrated in Pharaoh's prison. Not at all. So yes, God gives us faith. In return, we give our trust to God. Why can we do this? Okay, number one, because we have a great Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus weeps over your heartbreaking losses. Hebrews chapter 4 says that he sympathizes with our weaknesses. You know, he's not putting you down. He's not pointing them out. You know, he, he understands them and he's reaching to help you. And, and he can do this because he's been there and he was successful in overcoming in it. It says that he looked, as he looked upon the city of Jerusalem, he began to weep over it in Luke chapter 19. As he looked ahead, 
And he saw the crisis that was coming. You know, Jesus felt for them and he prayed for them. In John chapter 11, you know, at the loss of, of, of Lazarus, you know, you know, G Jesus wept. He felt their loss. You know, Paul writes in Romans chapter 15, he says, there's a time to rejoice. When do you rejoice? When someone's rejoicing. He says, there's a time to weep. When do you weep? When someone is, is weeping. So remember, no matter how hard life is, don't waste God's offer of peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. He also, it says, and encourages us, don't waste God's offer of power. There is an exceeding greatness of power to us, toward us, who believe Ephesians chapter 1, 19 and 20. Praise his holy name. Yes, in the place of helplessness, miracles start to happen. The good news this morning is that suffering does not win. Romans 8 and 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Think about it. God will not stop doing good. He has not only purchased salvation and forgiveness, but he's also purchased a supply line between the father and his children. So what's going to come out of this? You might hear a lot of different opinions, a lot of different perspectives. But let me tell you what mine is this morning. I believe that God has a plan for revival. I do. Many revivals and awakenings in the past have always occurred during times of great disruption, disruptions and social upheaval. Think about it. This crisis can ignite a revival like a diesel engine. Now, maybe many of you don't want to understand that concept, but let me tell you just a little bit about it. That gas engine that you go ahead and start up, you know, whenever you leave where you're at to go to work, the store, or whatever, you know, it ignites by a spark. That's a gasoline engine. But a diesel engine uses pressure to ignite a form of combustion. I believe that God is using a diesel concept. He is using the pressure to cause a combustion for revival. Amen? Hallelujah. Yes, crisis can become a fertile ground for revival. God had Joseph in a crisis so that he can go ahead and give him a crown. God doesn't waste any of this. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, and may you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless. Amen.